You're listening to Country Life with Keith Fahey on Galway Bay FM. Good evening, I'm Keith Fahey and welcome to this week's edition of Country Life. On the show this week, I'll be speaking to Michael Burke, the chairman of the Galway County Ploughing Association. We'll be speaking to Agnes Finneran, the PRO, Public Relations Officer of the Galway County Ploughing Association. And we'll also be talking to Mary McAndrew, the Cooperative Programme Manager, our Project Manager for the Acres uh, Connacht area. Plus, we will have all the latest from the marts and any farming news from across the county. And to get in contact with the show, don't hesitate to email us at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie and we'll get back to you. So, just in relation to some mart reports from across the county, uh, looking at the Loch Grey mart, uh, so there was a smaller sheep sale um, in the previous uh, mart uh, due to the bad weather. Um, there was a sale remained solid and improved on the previous week. Some sample prices for hoggets included 38 kilos selling for 94 euro, 40 kilos selling for 100, 45 kilos selling for 130, and some sample colio prices a 70 kilo colio selling for 102 euro, a 76.5 kilo yo selling for 130. And then the reminder for the sheep sale every Thursday at 10.30am and their special monthly whaling sale was held last Friday the 10th uh, with a large entry of whalings met with an outstanding trade. Whaling heifers averaged 288 to 377 per kilo and whaling bulls averaged 280 to 352 per kilo. And some sample prices for heifer whalings included a limousine cross weighing 270 kilos sold for 860 or that's 319 a kilo. A blonde Aquitaine cross for uh, weighing 290 kilos sold for 900 or 310 a kilo. A Charlie cross 285 kilos sold for 1010 or 354 a kilo. And some some sample waning bull prices: a Solaire Cross weighing two seventy kilos sold for nine hundred or three thirty three a kilo, a two hundred eighty five kilo Charlie Cross bull waning sold for nine sixty or that's three thirty seven a kilo, a Belgian Blue Cross weighing three sixty five kilos sold for eleven ten or that's three euro and four cent a kilo. Um, there was a smaller sale last Saturday due to uh, uh, poor weather. Uh, trade, however, remains very strong all around with good demand, ex- with demand exceeding supply. Uh, some sample prices for ca- uh, cows and cattle. Uh, a cow weighing 630 kilos sold for 1460 or 232 a kilo. A Belgian, that was an Aberdeen Angus cow. A Belgian blue ca- cross cow weighing 600 kilos sold for 1400. Some heifers included. An Aberdeen Angus at two eighty kilos sold, selling for seven forty or two sixty four a kilo. A Hereford weighing four twenty kilos sold for a thousand and sixty or two fifty two a kilo. Then onto some bullocks, three Hereford cross bullocks weighing two hundred eighty six sold for eight ninety or three ten a kilo. A three thirty kilo Charlie cross bullock sold for eleven hundred or three o three a kilo. Um, a 435 kilo limousine cross sold for 1250 or that equates to 287 a kilo and five Frisian 513 kilo bullocks sold for 1360 or 265 a kilo and the sheep sales as we said is every Thursday in the Lockray Mart at 10.30 and the cattle sale every Saturday at 10.30am uh, the Mount Bellew Cattle Mart was on Friday the 10th of March the show, show and sale meant the quality of stock on offer was very much improved uh, there was a strong demand for all lots on offer with an especially strong trade for quality and heavier lots results of the show included best cow selling for to best cow uh, to Frank Finn, best store heifer to Noel Larkin, um, best store bullock to William Burke, best winning heifer sold um, was to Eugene Burke, 
um, and the Malt House and uh, Mount Bellew and the St. Charles Credit Union, the Bank of Ireland, Screens and Kilke, Galway Hooker Brewery, Richard Coyle, um, Super Value, Garrity Family Butchers, Marion Stevens, da- uh, Stevens Daily um, were all some of the, the sponsors and Liam Conway was the judge. Um, so looking at some um, and the special uh, guest of honour um, for the Farmyards launch events uh, was Tomás Mannion Monavé. Um, so that's the Mount Bellew Mart and some sample prices of Belgium Blue Cross 2021 heifer sold uh, 515 kilos, sold for 15.40. A limousine cross 2021 born heifer weighing 555 kilos, sold for 15.50. An Aberdeen Angus 21 born heifer weighing 485 kilos, sold for 12.60. A 575 kilo Charlie cross 21 born heifer sold for 1720. And then onto some bullocks, a 507 kilo. Uh, bullock sold for fifteen sixty. Aberdeen Angus Cross twenty twenty one bullock uh, weighing four hundred thirty kilos sold for eleven eighty. Uh, cattle sales are on Friday evenings um, at six pm and gates open at four pm. The next cattle sales on Friday the twenty fourth of March. Uh, there's no cattle sale on Friday. This is St Patrick's Day. This Friday due to St Patrick's Day and the Montbellion March sheep sale on Saturday the eleventh of March. So just some prices on that. There was a large sale of sheep again this week. Stag yews met with improved trade as as did quality lots and for hoggets. Lighter or hoggets uh, with lacking uh, flesh were harder to sell. Um, however, there was an increased number of customers for yos with lambs at foot. Some sample prices included uh, four weather lambs at 54.5 kilos, selling for 145. Eight weather lambs weighing 45 kilos, sold for 122. Eight yo lambs weighing 63 kilos, sold for 155. Then onto some stag yos from the Mount Bellew Mart. Uh, the larger number of stag yos on offer met with a similar price to the previous week with the slight improvement on the heavier or fleshy type yos. Six yos at 68 kilos sold for 132. Five yos at 82 kilos sold for 160. Two yos at 79 kilos sold for 172. Then uh, some in-lamb yos or yos with lambs at foot. One third crop yo with a strong single lamb at foot sold for 180. One fourth crop yo with twin lambs at foot sold for 186. Uh, three third crop yos scanned with singles and due in mid-March sold for 150. 50, two first crop yos with twin lambs at foot sold for 255 and the sheep sale is every Saturday at 10am in person and online with Martide, the app um, and the two rings. Uh, so for any more information don't hesitate to call 090-967-966 or email mart at mountbellew.ie. Now onto the Tumart, there was uh, Dynamite Trade Prevails at Tumart sale on Monday yesterday, the 13th of March. Some sample cow prices, a 780 kilo limousine cross sold for 2,220 or 285 a kilo. A 750 kilo Charlie cross cow sold for 2,290, that's 305 a kilo. A 780 kilo Charlie cross cow um, sold for 313 a kilo. Some sample heifer prices included a 480 Aberdeen Angus Cross uh, selling for 1430 or 298 a kilo, a 470 kilo Charlie Cross sample uh, a sample price for a heifer sold for 1430 or 3 euro and 4 cent a kilo, a 625 kilo limousine Cross heifer sold for 1960 or 314 a kilo. Then on to some sample bullock prices, a 505 kilo pair of Frisian bullocks made 1220 or 242 a kilo. Um, a 510 kilo Aberdeen Angus Cross met 1580 or 310 a kilo. Um, an 810 kilo limousine Cross Bullock sold for 2540 or that equates to 314 a kilo. And the evening waning sale was met with uh, fierce demand with from farmers and shippers. Um, 
and uh, the Tumart look are looking for large numbers of whalings for uh, next evening, mo- next Monday, the twenty seventh of March, uh, for their evening sale of whalings, which commences at five thirty p.m. So some sample prices from the Tumart for whaling heifers, uh, two three hundred ninety five kilo Charlie cross heifers over thirteen twenty or three thirty four a kilo. A 340 kilo Charlie cross whaling heifer sold for 1210 or 356 a kilo. A 285 kilo limousine cross heifer sold for 1210 or 425 a kilo. And uh, some sample whaling bull prices a 330 kilo limousine cross whaling bull sold for 1190 or 361 a kilo. A 460 kilo limousine whaling cross sold for 1430 or 311 a kilo. And a 310 a uh, kilo Aberdeen Angus Bullock uh, or Wheeling Bull, sorry, sold for a thousand and thirty, or that equates to three thirty-two a kilo. And next Monday, the twentieth of March, uh, is the fat stock sale commencing at eleven a.m. with bunky bookings and inquiries to oh nine three two four three five three. That's oh nine three two four three five three. So this week um, I'm covering a different topic and we also have an article in uh, the Tomb Herald and the Connacht Tribune this week where um, we decided to do something different for the article. So it's just uh, some information for people on, um, you know, a lot of farmers I'm dealing with um, working in Chagas and Athenry and a lot of beef farmers, um, very few farmers tend to kill their own animals um, in terms of butchering heifers or bullocks for their own freezers. So it was something we did on our own farm um, in the last couple of months there. We had never done it before in relation to um, a heifer or that, but um, my father often um, finished and put a, a, a cup of lambs in the freezer there for the, with the butcher. So uh, this year we decided uh, to um, pick out a, a heifer um, for the, for our own freezer just to, to see how to go and uh, what way it would work out. So it was interesting, I suppose, to note. Um, so firstly, I suppose, before we did anything, we realised uh, that we obviously needed a bigger freezer. Um, you know, with getting a, a large um, animal cut up, obviously there's going to be a lot more meat coming and back so uh, we had to look for a freezer so we ended up buying a 400 litre uh, capacity freezer for 460 euro um, so the farm we operate is a uh, calf to beef so we usually buy calves and finish them out right um, so the heifer we decided to pick was a, a Hereford heifer um, out of a Frisian cow that would have been reared on milk replacer um, and she would have spent obviously the majority of her life out at grass so she would have been bought at 3 to 4 weeks of age so just some information on that heifer uh, she would arrive arrived on the farm at about three weeks of age and was reared on milk replacer you know along with the rest of the other calves um, the heifer that we sent to the factory was born on the 8th of the 3rd 21 um, and she went to the butcher exactly 20 months later uh, on the same date the 8th again the 8th of the of November 2022 so last November there and her breed was made up of uh, Hereford which was 50% as the sire was a Hereford and then her mother would have been a dairy cow so she was 28% Holstein uh, 12.5% um, Frisian and there was 9% Jersey in the heifer we had so she was 50% Hereford the weaning heifer or the yearling the store heifer sorry finished heifer uh, was 28% Holstein 12% Frisian and 9% Jersey her sire was Frimpton's Hill so his AI code is HE2463 and she obviously spent the majority of her life at grass and would have been rotationally grazed in that and would have been fed uh, a finishing concentrate um, a 14% um, high maize nut um, for 60 days and ha- 30 of those days was at grass in the last I'd say maybe 2-3 to three weeks she was put in on the 13th of October 
and she would have been fed five kilos of meal along with silage with that. So the heifer was slaughtered uh, by Brian Carroll, who um, operates in Farrell's Avatar in Athen Rye. Um, and she was subsequently butchered and bagged by Brian's father, Tony Carroll, who runs a, a family butcher shop in Ballinasloe. So it cost €330 Euro to... Um, to slaughter, cut up and bag and label uh, the heifer. So just in relation to the heifer, on the morning that she went to the butchers, um, on the 8th of November, as I said, she weighed 497 kilos live weight and she killed out at a 245 kilo carcass. So that's literally just under half. Uh, so at 49% of her fresh weight um, it was the carcass. So when all the... When everything else was taken off, that was the available uh, carcass. Um, so, as we said, there was a little touch of jersey in her. Uh, so, obviously, the kilo would have been a lot lower than if she was maybe a, a U-grade limousine or Charlie a continental type heifer. They could kill out 6 to 7 or 8% more uh, where they'd have better uh, confirmation. And just in relation, you know, going on the beef price the week she was killed, it was four seventy. So it's obviously increased a, a fair bit there of about, you know, 55 to 60 cent. Um, you know, this week and last week's heifer prices varied from 525 to 530. Looking at 530 there, there's a 60 cent difference in beef price on this week versus the week she was killed in November. So that's, I suppose, it has a significant impact, really. If she was killed this week, um, she'd command €147 Euro more um, in a factory price. So that was uh, also very interesting. And I just, if I was to guess maybe myself what the heifer would have graded, I would presume that she would have been an O minus, 4 minus. So in a confirmation of an O minus and a fat cover of a 4 minus. And looking at the grade and the way the, the, the farmers are paid, uh, uh, for the quality of their beef um, so you get your base price and depending on how the animal grades you'll get a quality assurance payment of either 20 cent 12 cent or nothing depending on how fat the heifer is and uh, the confirmation and the fat score and age as well obviously comes into that um, and also as she was a Hereford heifer there's a Hereford bonus there of about 15 cent now this can vary you know from uh, factory to factory um, some factories might pay higher some factories might pay lower depending on which uh, markets they have so just to explain that I suppose Going on the price this week of 5.30, uh, she would have been down 25 cent on the grid, but she would have got a 12 cent quality assurance because she was an O minus. Had she been an O equals or an O plus, she would have got 20 cent a kilo, so that would have been 8 cent more. Uh, along with a 15 cent Hereford bonus, this equates to about 5.33 kilo, um, 5 euro and 33 cent a kilo by 245 kilo of a carcass, uh, and that allows for a 1305 euros. That's what she would have come into this week. However, um, she only came, she would have only come into 1158 uh, the week I killed her as the beef price was back 60 cent. So just looking at what we got back, we got 143 kilos of meat after all trimmings, hide and all that was taken out. We had 20 kilos of beef mince when um, I also did um, a cost on it. I um, I rang a local butcher and uh, we we actually um, costed out the heifer and what she would have gone in the in a local supermarket there. So what did we get back from the heifer? We got twenty kilos of beef mince at a retail price of seventy nine ninety nine a kilo would have came to one sixty one hundred and sixty euro. There was would have been twenty three kilos of burgers at one euro a burger would equate to about two hundred and seven euro. Uh, there was 18 kilos of round roast, um, which equated to 215 euro. There was 11.2 kilos of round steak, which equated to 135 euro. There was 100, or sorry, there was 14.2 kilos of rib steak, 
and that came to 113. There was 8 kilos of sirloin steak uh, and that came to 200, which is also interesting to note as well. You know, a lot of people think that there's a lot more steak on um, heifers and bullocks, uh, but, you know, obviously the sirloin, the top line, the rump the, and uh, the line, it's only a small proportion of the animal. Uh, so that's interesting to note as well. I would have thought there might have been more. Um, 13 kilos of uh, T-bone, uh, 4 kilos of pot roast, 11 kilos of rib roast, 6.8 kilos of housekeeper's cut, there was t- 12 kilos of stewing beef and 2 kilos of fillet. So when this was all uh, said and done, uh, at the local shop it would have been valued at about €1,990, so close to €2,000, and I suppose she sold for 1305 going on this week's price. So I suppose there's, you know, there's 700 euro there of a difference, I suppose, you know, if we had to go out and buy the meat. Um, now also we had to buy a freezer, so that has to be factored in as well, along with the fact that I suppose, you know, uh, a lot of uh, there's a lot of stew and beef there, which maybe some families or households mightn't be keen on. Um, so that was uh, that was it on how the heifer came back. So it was, it was quite an interesting um, activity. We've, we never did it before, so... Uh, it's just um, uh, some information for our listeners and uh, my, I'll have an article there in the paper this week it's in the Tumorl and the Connacht Tribune uh, if you want to see pictures of the heifer also um, it explains there the different grading and the pictures of the heifer and how well fleshed she was and um, people can see exactly there for themselves uh, the breakdown and the prices of the meat So first up this evening we're delighted of Mary McAndrew so Mary McAndrew is uh, involved with the Acre CP uh, Connemara and Connacht uh, the project manager for that for the region so uh, Mary you're very welcome on to Country Life so maybe you might briefly explain to us I suppose number one what Acres is and number one what the Acres CP areas are Yeah sure Keith thanks a million for having me on um, so yeah with the Acres um, as I'm sure most people are familiar now um, Acres is the new agri-environment scheme um, it's a little bit different than um, previous agri-environment schemes in that there's two streams to this one so there's a general um, acres, which is kind of very similar to GLOSS in that it was it's prescriptive and farmers would have selected their actions and they know um, what they're doing for the next five years. And then there's the acres cooperation areas, which is um, where I'm working in. Um, and that's more of a results-based um, payment system. So it's very new to a lot of farmers. Um, so it could be based on scorecards. So farmers will have their land scored in the summertime by the advisors. Um, the project teams will be scoring the commonages and then the basically their payments will be related to the quality of the habitat. So the higher the score, the higher the payment um, and that's how their payments will be made up within the cooperation zone. As you said, I'm the project manager of Acres West Connacht. So we're working in Northwest Connacht. So we're from Belmullet all the way over into the Ox Mountains and down into Ackle um, and Newport. And then we're also looking after um, South Mayo and Connemara as well. So we're covering a large area. Okay, very good. And uh, a lot of farmers, um, Mary, got their letters this week to say they've been accepted. And I suppose maybe a few words on the majority of farmers. It was well oversubscribed, Mary. There was, is it 46 or 46 and a half thousand uh, applications? And I think they were only expecting about 30,000 in tranche one. Yes, exactly. So um, obviously we're all delighted with the uptake and the engagement from farmers um, in all of the areas. So it's, um, it's going to be a busy but exciting few years uh, coming up for us all. So within our two catchments, we're going to be working with um, 5,000 farmers over the next five years. Um, 
so yeah it's going to be um like i said a busy time but we're looking forward to getting to meet the farmers and you know help them improve their scores and their payments um going forward Okay, you mentioned there, you know, your general actions, you know, similar to the glass, I suppose. A lot of farmers would have been familiar with, you know, your low input permanent pasture, maybe your traditional hay meadow, uh, stone walls would have been all general actions along with like wild bird cover and other bird boxes and that were, they were in the old old glass. Um, I suppose, you know, it's changed, as you said there, Mary, uh, to more of a results-based payment. Um, so, you know, where the farmer would have gotten €314 euro a hectare and €315 euro a hectare for low input and traditional hay meadow, respectively, uh, in the glass, um, you know, it was a set payment per hectare. This is different, Mary. Yeah, so with the results-based payment, um, like, it's more related to the score. So it's related to the quality of the habitat. Um, and a farmer will get a score based on the quality. So the higher the quality of the habitat, the higher the score will be, and therefore the higher the payment will be. So there's different payment rates um, depending on the score. If in your private land you get a score of less than four, you won't get a payment for that. So you need to be getting a score of four or higher to get a payment. And I know it's caused you know a lot of concern for farmers at meetings last year when we talking to farmers, they're concerned about they're signing up to something and they're not sure what payment they're going to be getting for it um, and I suppose it takes a little bit of trust from you know that they're going to be waiting until maybe August before they know when the advisors have finished scoring to kind of know what kind of payment they'll be getting but I, that's where the project team will come in then like our role is to support the advisors and to support the farmers and to ensure that they get the most out of the scheme and the money is there to make sure that we can make sure that the farmers can get as much of it as they possibly can you know, for the number of hectares and what's going on on the farm itself. And just in relation to, you know, those results-based uh, uh, payments, Mary, uh, you know, how can farmers increase their score maybe from possibly a four in year one to maybe a seven or eight in year maybe two or three? It might take a while to build up the score. Are they reducing fertiliser? Are they changing grazing practices, uh, spraying, mm-hmm. etc.? Or how, how, how could one yeah, increase their so- score? Yeah, so I suppose it depends on what's going on on the farm and whether it's a, we have different scorecards for different habitats. So you have your grassland, your peatland, your woodland scrub are the main scorecards. We'll also have um, different scorecards for coastal habitats and things like that to make sure that we're capturing exactly what's happening in that particular habitat. But as you mentioned there, yeah, some of the kind of main things would be, you know, reducing fertiliser to allow the species to the indicator species to be present when the advisors out scoring um you know some like some farmers we've worked in the freshwater pearl mussel in in the Connemara area for the last few years and some farmers it might be just as simple as you know changing their grazing regime um on certain times of the year um it might be fencing off riparian margins to help um, improve the water courses um, and that will impact on their score. It might be um, moving feeders around so there's, there's no poaching damage. Um, so things like that. So we will be offering training to the farmers in the summer and we'll be going through the scorecards with them so they know exactly what the advisor is looking for. And, you know, that the, how we'll be helping them to make sure that they know exactly what the advisor is looking for on the scorecards so that they can, you know, change their management practices to help improve their score.
And even looking at the scorecard there, Mary, we'll take, for example, maybe a grassland scorecard, just for maybe people that may be unfamiliar with it. Uh, what are you doing? So you have your scorecard. Uh, you're, I suppose, looking for different types of grasses and grass species, is it? And maybe their abundance, is it? Or how exactly are they scored? Yeah, so there's um, the first stage of the scorecard is when the advisor goes out, they walk um, a W through the, the plot and they're identifying from the list um, the types of species. So for grassland, you might have 30 indicators that are reflective of a good um, grassland habitat. So the advisor is just ticking those off as they're walking through the plot. Um, then, as you said, they're looking for the abundance of them, of the cover of them. So how much of the plot actually holds them is it over 30 percent is it less than 20 percent and there's points for that you're looking for non-native species or um negative indicators um so your docks your nettles um in a grassland even though i know <laughs> mightn't agree perennial ryegrass would be classed as a negative indicator so you're looking at that and again you're looking at the cover of that on peatlands you would be looking for rhododendron, um, gorse, things like that would be negative indicators. Um, you're again looking at the cover of that. Then you're looking at the structure. So, you know, is it getting hammered? Is it like a golf course or is it on the other side of it? Is it undergrazed? So is there not enough grazing? So like some farmers kind of think, have the impression that we, you know, that you're better off not having any stock on it and that's the best way to improve your score. But there is a balance there and we don't obviously want to be paying for land abandonment either. We want to encourage farmers to continue to farm. So there is a, a balance there. So we look at that and obviously we'll advise them on that. And then you're looking at things like um, damaging activity. So again, like I mentioned earlier, supplementary feeding. If the feeder is left in one corner of the field for the whole winter and it's black, you know, that's going to, still be evident in the summer when the advisor is scoring so that'll impact on the score on a peatland turbury might have an impact um, dumping you know um, inappropriate pesticide or herbicide use so if you're very close to a water course um, when you're spraying your pesticides if you haven't um, maintained the appropriate um, buffer and things like that so that law will be something that'll uh, that will be accounted for in the scorecard. Okay, very good. A very good insight there into how results-based payments work and what they are. Um, and just in relation to, you know, obviously this week, um, maybe last week, uh, depending on where farmers are, last week a lot of farmers got their um, their letter to say they, they have been accepted into the acres scheme, uh, Mary. I suppose, what do farmers do once they receive their accept, acceptance letters? Yeah, so if they're fully within the cooperation zone, they don't have to do anything for the moment. Um, we will be sending out for our two zones, we'll be sending out welcome letters in the coming weeks, which will have um, an information leaflet with it, just explaining again what results-based payments are, you know, how to help improve your score um, and kind of the timeline for how things will work over the coming year. Um, we'll also in that letter have training dates available that farmers can go onto our website and book their training day, which will be holding in the summer. And that's just to help them kind of introduce um, ourselves to them and kind of explain how acres is going to work and also go through the scorecards, as I mentioned earlier, just go through the scorecards with them so they know exactly what is happening when the advisors or ourselves are out on the private land or the commonage and you know that there's no hidden surprises that nobody is out to kind of trick them or anything that they're well aware of 
of how what's going on and what they're being looked for on the scorecard and how they can help improve their their score going forward. And um, so for if you're fully within the cooperation zone, there's nothing to do at the minute. And um, like I said, you'll be getting your leisure from ourselves in a few weeks. You know, book on the training with us. You know, come out, meet us. Um, kind of, we're here to help and encourage you and um, answer any questions or concerns you might have. So, so yeah, that's that's it for the for now with the with the cooperation areas. Okay, and maybe you might tell our listeners what are NPIs and landscape actions. Yep. So the NPIs are non-productive investments. Um, and landscape actions, there are both a stream of funding that farmers can draw down um, on top of their results-based payment to help improve their score. So with the results-based payment, there's a maximum payment that farmers can get from the results from the scorecard of €7,000. But then there's another 3500 available um, through the NPIs and landscape actions to the farmers each year of the scheme to draw down to help them improve any issues that they have on the farm. So if there's an issue identified through the scorecard um, of maybe there's poaching along a bank and it might need to be fenced or the cattle are getting into the water course and the bank is collapsing and a crossing point might be necessary at that point just to make sure there's no further damage being done. That can all be funded through the MPIs and landscape actions. Um, so that there is a list of about 52, I think, at the minute, um, landscape actions. They're being finalised and hopefully in the next couple of months they'll be available to advisors and farmers and then they will be ready to, kind of the farmers can look at those in from September and put in a plan for, for claiming or for drawing down those down. Once the scoring has been completed and they can identify issues that they need to improve on. Okay. And just in, to clarify again, so who scores the land? So for the private land, it'll be the advisor. So your own private planner will score your private land. And then for the commonages, it will be the project team ourselves that will be responsible for scoring the commonages. Um, and we, as I said, we hope to be out from about um, the end of April on and we let farmers know when we're in certain areas and things like that, but that they're not concerned. Okay, okay. And you know, when you get your acceptance letter, what are, you know, there's a lot of numbers and it can be maybe a little bit confusing for farmers if, you know, uh, what do the numbers on the acceptance letter mean, um, Mary? Yeah, so I've got a few phone calls about this last week and farmers were worried thinking they weren't going to get any money. Um, so basically, as farmers, they might, there was a lot going on last year, so they might not remember when advisors was putting in a plan for them and kind of in order to give farmers an idea of what potentially they could get um, in results-based payment. They took the number of hectares that the farmer has eligible within the CP area and gave it a score of eight. And that was basically then given you a calculation for how much of the 7,000 you could potentially get. So that figure in the middle of your letter that might say zero or it might say 1,100 available in general actions, that is just letting you know, that's just basically a calculation based on the number of hectares that you have at a score of eight and how close to that 7,000 you're potentially getting. Um, but like I said, there is other funding there through the MPIs and landscape actions as well to draw down. Um, and we'll know better at the end of August, the beginning of September, exactly where farmers are in terms of their scores and payments and, and how we can address any issues from there then. Okay. And I suppose what is the role, you know, of the CP team and the project officers you're working with? Obviously, you know, you've mentioned there you've a huge area of ground to cover there in, in, in your own area, we'll say, uh, Mary. So I suppose what other roles or, you know, what uh, other line of work will say have the project officers to do? 
Yeah, so um, we have, as I said, we have the two zones and within that we've broken them down into um, six kind of more manageable areas and we've assigned um, a project officer to each of those areas. So each local area will have a local project officer that will liaise with the farmers and the advisors in that area, you know, that they're, they're, used, they're, they're aware of the kind of constraints and the, the benefits of that area and that they can help advise like, the farmers better in that area. So, for example, what's happening in South Connemara is very different to the landscape up here in Belmullet. So the project officers in those two areas, you know, would be given very different advice to farmers to help improve their score and you know the management and things would be very different so it's about farmers having local people that they can talk to and draw on and local resources that are that are central to their area and relevant to what's going on with them so that's kind of where the project offices are at like i said their role is a support to the farmers and to the advisors to ensure that farmers get the most out of this scheme because you know we can see the benefit of it and we just want to make sure the farmers get the most out of it now that they've signed up to and engaged with it. Uh, Mary McAndrew, thanks very much for coming on Country Life. Uh, you gave a great insight there and, you know, on the different uh, ways that the fields are scored, the CP areas and the line of work you're going to be doing for the next uh, couple of months. So there's a, a big area, a lot of work to do and uh, uh, fair play, you've done it, you've put a lot of work into this and, you know, I've, I've been, you've been on to us before about the Pearl Muscle uh, scheme, so you're well aware of the areas and that over there. So uh, thanks very much for giving our listeners a, a, a great insight into the, the acres and the Acre CP area. Country Life, brought to you by Your Credit Union. Cultivate, providing farm-friendly finance across the west of Ireland. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So you're welcome back after the break. We're delighted to have Michael Burke, who's the chairman of the Galway County Ploughing Association. And we also have Agnes Finneran, who's the PRO, the Public Relations Officer of the Galway County Ploughing. Uh, you're both very welcome onto Country Life. Um, we're delighted to have you on. Um, and you have a, a big event coming up soon. So I suppose, firstly, uh, the County Ploughing. Um, ploughing, I suppose, Michael, uh, maybe just to give some of our listeners the principles of ploughing, I suppose, and how important it is, uh, you know, whether we go to the fridge or we go to the press we have our cornflakes in the morning I think you know whether you're from a farm or you're not from a farm uh, as they say you need a farmer in your life every day so uh, maybe just explain maybe Michael uh, why why farmers do plough you know I suppose we have a number of different uh, crops that we do grow in Ireland and even in Galway here uh, what maybe what would be the most familiar crops uh, you see from ploughing like barley or that or uh, and maybe just explain a little bit on how you uh, plough Michael for some of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the process? Well, the, the main reason for ploughing is, is to, pre- to prepare a, a seedbed fit to take the crop. And uh, you're ploughing down the, the, the old straw and the old weed or whatever is there from last year, and you're, you're ploughing it down, and you bring up a new a new soil, and uh, you create, uh, through harrowing and all this afterwards, you create a new tilt. And uh, it's it's what gets prepared to take seedbed so that uh, you have uh, a crop that you can sow with a corn drip and uh, you then uh, prepare it and sow it and, and get ready for the year ahead, you know. 
Yeah, so I suppose, Michael, seedbed preparation is key, you know, you know, in terms of germination rates that and that we want to make sure that the seeds have enough moisture and that, you know, they have enough fertility in that as well. Uh, in terms of the ploughing, would, uh, um, you know, a lot of people would use ploughing for reseeding also. And maybe what would be the main tillage crops? Would it be barley, wheat or oats or in, in and around the Galway area? What would you see mostly? Well, in, in around the Galway area, uh, barley would, would uh, really be the, the main crop to be sold. You would have a certain amount of oats as well, so, but barley is, is mainly the one that, that, that's uh, sold locally, and, and barley then would be sold uh, in a winter crop as well, so it can be sold in, 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 in the end of October and kind of left there to come for the rest of the year, do you know? Okay, yeah, and so uh, you're, two, you're two types you, of barley. Over yeah. years, you would have had lots of different things, but... Uh, now it seems to be barley seems to be the main crop, you know. And that would go mostly for feeding barley, Michael, is it? Mostly for feeding. Oh yeah, this this side of the country, but it, it would all be bought up by even the likes of Finzalecki used to buy it there, and 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 uh, it is be uh, sold back out to the farmers again for feeding, you know, uh, during the year. Whereas up the country, in certain spots up the country, you will have it going for for beer and you know uh, Guinnesses one time and uh, that kind of thing, but. Uh, and this side of the country it's mostly for feeding yeah I'm from Lacken myself so yeah you can often see the around harvest time there's always loads of trailers going into Flynn's Lacken there as they're uh, one of the bigger merchants we'd say in, in Galway for it um, so Michael uh, firstly I suppose you know last year's Galway county ploughing where was it and maybe where was it held well last year's county ploughing wouldn't have been fair for me then either it was the head there in Lysina Nevada. yeah you know and um, just off from Cairn Moore you know as you turn up between Kergawi and etc. Yeah. But uh, a fine field. It was um, a field belonged to Jerry Nathan. And uh, we had a good match on the day, a very cold day, but uh, we were able to brave that. We had no rain. And uh, we we were happy with, with our turnout. And we sent a few men off to the All Ireland Summers. And, you know, that's uh, as coffee do every year. You know, uh, you, you have to plow, you'd have to plow two matches to, to uh, qualify, you know. And, uh, Usually, most people would plough their county match, you know. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and I suppose, do, you know, how you obviously mentioned there, you know, uh, a few people went to the um, the All Ireland, as we call it, or the the national ploughing of the uh, the championship. I suppose, you know, just maybe to mention, you, you had massive achievements in the ploughing itself uh, there in um, in in at the ploughing national ploughing in September. Uh, well, uh, last September was a great year for us. We had a great year. Uh, we had Eamon Buck from from Cordendale there, and he took first in the conventional plowing in the junior class. You know, and uh, then it, it was a wonderful achievement. You know, and and it was it's a great lift. And then the, the following day we had uh, James Kilgariff from Hitbert. He took first place in the horse class. You know, so the, it, uh, the, the silverware was kind of. Uh, on the table of the day at the banquet up there, you know, uh, as well as that, uh, Jerry Riley uh, from Kilgore there, a well-known horse plowman, he took second place in the All-Ireland, you know, uh, and uh, actually myself and Jerry together as, as a team took first place in the All-Ireland team horse, oh. you know. Okay, uh, We had a young fellow there from my Cullen then, which was a, a wonderful achievement to see somebody from that side of the county uh, plowing, and he took third place in the under-40 on the, on the Tuesday in the horse class, and for his first year clown, we, were, we, we thought it was a great achievement, you know. We had all, all the young flowers there as well, um, uh, Alana Murphy from, from Cordendulla and um, Gavin Kelly from Monavay, uh, both taking place on, on, uh, on the three days event, you know. 
So Galway is well represented, and like um, even the year before, like um, thankfully, like Joe Kelly there from Monavay, he, he took first place in, in, in the vintage two for us, you know. Okay. And, and uh, we uh, we even had a Loy digger uh, taking first place, uh, John Small from from Aston Loy, you know. And and again on the same year, James Figareff took first place again in the hot class on Thursday, you know. So Galway is is well represented up there, you know. Okay, and it's great to see younger people. Uh, I know Gavin Kelly there. He did a few days work placement with us in Chagas and Athen Rye, uh, and a very nice guy he is. But it's great to see uh, younger people getting involved also, isn't it, Michael? Oh, it, it's wonderful. We're, we're pressing for it all the time, but it's very hard for young people to, to get in it because the cost of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, first of all, yeah, you know, like, what uh, can less than 10,000? Okay. Okay. You know? Okay. Yes. And then you have to. Then you have to reply. So uh, we try as much as we can to get other men, older men like myself, uh, within it who may have a plough or a tractor. And we're very lucky that there's lads who are willing to help out. Very you good. know, and and try and get them plough and get them started that way. But going forward, it's costly on them, but uh, it, it needs to be encouraged. And and it's great to see the youth coming in. It you know, we we need the youth because if we don't have the youth. We won't have no. Exactly. I know it's not all uh, lads. Uh, we have to be very careful, Michael. <laughs> we also have Agnes uh, <laughs> Finneran on the line, you know. So, Agnes, I suppose yeah. you're the, the anime McHugh of uh, the Galway uh, National Ploughing. Is that fair to say? Well, no, Keith, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I suppose I'm, only, I'm new into the role anyway since the AGM that we held um, uh, last month. So, I suppose it's, it's new to me in one sense, but I was... Um, PRO for the Cork West Town Association for a number of years previous to previous to that. So I have um I have a good background in ploughing, let's say, um from my late father and that would have been involved heavily in ploughing as well. So um I kind of grew up with it as such. So um like that it's in the blood. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. Um and where is this year's county ploughing taking place, Agnes? So Keith, this year's county uh, Galway Town Championships will be hosted by the Kilconnell Town Association and it'll be held on the lands of uh, Father Paddy Muckler um, by his kind permission. Um, and it's going to take place next Sunday, the 19th of March. Um, the venue is in Newbridge, Ballinasloe. So it's in Kaline, Newbridge, Ballinasloe, County Galway. Um, the venue itself is on stubble ground. I suppose, the, as in line of, with directions, I suppose if you're travelling from Ballinamore Bridge, it'll be on the left-hand side. And if you're travelling from Newbridge to the event, it'll be on the right-hand side. Now, there's an air code there as well for us and um, that I might just give the listeners so it might make it easier for them to, to get to the site. So it's H53VF50. And um, so it's it's quite um, accessible from from the Ballinamore Bridge side and from the Newbridge side. Okay. And Agnes, you might tell us a little bit, you know, about the novice uh, match that the County Ploughing Association hold. I suppose who can compete in it, um, Agnes, you know, and what are the requirements for those ploughing and maybe where it's taking place this year? Um, just before I finish there as well, Keith, on the, the Galway County Championships, Loy competitors are also welcome. So there'll be a Loy competition on the day as well as that. Um, and then moving on to the novice match, it's actually at the same venue. So it'll be on, on the same site as the county, but it'll be on Saturday. So it's on the day before, on the 18th of March. Um, and this novice class will be hosted by the County Galway Clown Association. 
Um, now, the novice match is open to competitors between the ages of 16 and 35. Um, entrants of 16 years must have a tractor license, which must be presented on the day. Um, this event is open to those who have never ploughed competitively before. Now, just uh, on a note of that as well, there will also be judges from the county um, on hand on the Saturday that could give maybe guidance and advice and maybe just show the younger competitors or anyone really who attends who's interested in, you know, the different aspects of ploughing and what to look for um, in competition ploughing. And, you know, you mentioned competition ploughing, Agnes. You know, for people who aren't familiar with the ploughing or maybe, you know, it's a great opportunity for someone to go for their first time even this year in, in Newbridge, uh, in Kilconnell. And we'll give the air code there again in a minute. But uh, what do you, what, I suppose, how are competitors judged, um, Agnes? So they're judged on various aspects from, you know, from the straightness of it to how it, how it turned over you know, to the, the furrows, it's, it's, there's a, a whole different aspect, there's several different aspects to um, what the judges would be looking for on the day. Um, and there's a lot of highly skilled judges that would be able to speak a lot more about it on the day than I would, but, um, you know, they'd be, give, they'd be there and available to give guidance on the aspects to be looking for on the day. Okay, and I suppose back to you, Michael. Does the you know does the county ploughing association association excuse me uh, expect many of the competitors you know to qualify for the national ploughings this year national ploughing this year in uh, Rathkineska? Well, we we'll hope to to run all competitions on on the day. Uh, so we, we we'll run the 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 junior and senior and all. I mean, they, they might they might run in, in conjunction with one another, but uh, we'll we'll know we'll have a good idea who's ploughing where and. Uh, all in all, there's about 15 places uh, for for lads and and ladies uh, to to go forward. So you you will have like the 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 senior, and you will have intermediate, junior. You'll have farmerish. You'll have vintage. You'll have single for a vintage. You'll have senior horse and under 40 horse and the special horse class. You know, and then you'll have the novice under 21, under 28, and you'll have the loy. And again with the loy, you'll have ladies and gentlemen. You know. So it'd be about 15 in all, but going on the last two years' figures, 10 that take it up. A lot of people will qualify, but through, because of other commitments and that, they may not be able to make it, you know. Okay. And, and there may be only one or two competing in that class in it. So uh, anywhere between 10 and 15 people will go every year from, from Galway and, and take part in, in, in the national count. Okay. And I suppose, Agnes, do you expect, you know, many competitors and spectators to attend both, we'll say, the Saturday and the Sunday for the county ploughing? So you have the 18th of March this Saturday and the 19th of March and the Sunday and the novice on the Saturday, as you said. I suppose just there, a little note on the competitors. Uh, all entries for both competitions um, are, are to be handed into the county secretary or, or rang into the county secretary, Bridget Higgins. Um, her mobile number is 087-2287-108 and then if you can't get Bridget uh, on the phone you can contact um, her assistant county secretary Marie Kelly she's on 087-777-6070 um, and all entries for the competitions have to be submitted by Wednesday the 15th so that's tomorrow um, ploughing for both competitions will commence 12 noon at both events um, now, I suppose we hope for a good turnout and a good crowd to attend. Um, I suppose it will be weather dependent, but we do hope that the weather and ground conditions will be favourable 
for the both events on the Saturday uh, for the novice competition and for the County Galway Clown Championships on Sunday. Now, granted, next weekend will be a busy one with St. Patrick's um, Day on the Friday, and I think Mother's Day is on Sunday. Okay. But um, just we would appeal to anyone in the area who's passing by that they might just pop in and have a look at the competitions and see what clown is all good, about. Very good, very good. Thanks very much to Agnes and Michael for coming on, and that's H53VF50 uh, uh, for the National Ploughing Championship on, on Saturday and Sunday in uh, Newbridge. Country Life, brought to you by your credit union. Education. From enrolment to graduation, your credit union supports your education. Credit unions in Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank. Terms and conditions apply. So that's it this week from Country Life. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if there are any queries or any topics that you'd like covered, please don't hesitate to give me an email at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. That's countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. So I'd like to thank our speakers, Michael Burke and Agnes Finneran from the Galway County Ploughing Association. And also Mary McAndrew, uh, the project manager for the Acre CP programme in this area. Don't hesitate if you want to throw us an email at countrylife at galwaybayfm.ie. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it. So next up is Melodies, followed by The Nightfly with Dolman.